This is the CGN Mission and Methods Podcast. This is part two of a conversation with Scott Cunningham and was recorded at the Calvary Creative Studio in June of 2019. Well, before we close out, I know that uh, I want to touch on one other thing, and I know that you've been thinking a lot about the relationship between the role of the worship leader and the whole area of discipleship. Yeah. And so uh, you've been thinking about that. You wrote an article recently that we have yeah. published on calvarychapel.com. Great yeah. article. <laughs> Thanks, <And> Colin. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like you needed some more affirmation. But um, yeah, it, it would be great to just hear you Talk through some of the, the basic yeah. thoughts you've been having about that connection between the role of the worship leader and discipleship in the church. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was one of those things, I'm, as I'm looking back on, you know, about 24 years of ministry. I mean, we got married almost 24 years ago, so we were like newly married, newly in ministry. I think we got pregnant like three months into marriage, so it was like, it was pretty fast for us. Newly married, newly in ministry, newly parents. But, um, mm. you know, for, for me, looking back, I, I was just thinking through some of the things that the Lord's done over the years and, and as a worship leader, what are, what are some of the things that I, I feel passionate about, you know, and, and can look back and see maybe some fruit from some of those things. And, um, I real I realize that, I mean, I love leading corporate worship and I feel like there's this, there's an indirect discipleship that happens in those moments where, um, I get to lead by example, you know, and it's in the context of a church setting. And so it can be, hopefully be encouraging and, and whatever, but you know, they, there's the, there's the other aspect of my personal life, like how I live um, and people watching me treat my wife, you know, yeah. hopefully well and my kids. And um, there's that indirect discipleship that happens that people might see that. And hopefully they can see my my public life matching up with my private life, mm-hmm. as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, but the discipleship component of it is so interesting because there's the direct discipleship, I think I would probably um, call it, because it's the people that I've spent time with and invested in over the years and involved mm-hmm. in ministry and, and have, you know, hopefully, you know, poured into. So you have a mentoring kind of relationship with, with people. Yeah. About, yeah. Right? That that's been the place where I've seen the most fruit over the years. Like mm-hmm. in my mind as a worship leader, I'm thinking, Oh, it's going to be about the songs that I write, or it's going to be about, you know, the corporate gatherings and the public worship ministry. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely, you know, fruit that comes from that. It's a blessing, but, but one of the things I, I felt, I wanted to communicate in the article was that worship leader, um, as a worship leader, we have a, a strong uh, part to play in that commission to make disciples. Mm-hmm. And for me, that means, you know, the Lord often puts me around creatives and people that love music. And, and yeah. we have a school worship here, obviously. So it's like a built-in farm in some ways in that regard. But but I found that, um, you know, we, <laughs> yeah. we get a chance to invest and pour into and, and to share what the Lord's taught us over the years, both musically, practically, spiritually, all those things. And the fruit of that has been one of the most, um, I don't know, like just encouraging things for me personally. Just, just it's, you know, it's not the, necessarily the glamorous work or it's, it's not necessarily the easiest because it, it's your own, sometimes it's on your own time and, you know, and in a different kind of emotional investment. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I feel like that call to make disciples as a worship leader, we can, we can, um, 
really be effective in that by involving people in the ministry, both on a practical way of serving with the teams, but just being invested in their life and caring about them. And so, mm-hmm. so yeah, I just, I feel like, um, as worship leaders to other, as a worship leader to other worship leaders, that encouragement to to make sure you don't neglect that commission to make disciples, yeah. and that doesn't necessarily mean just like making you know cloning people to be like you, but but really speaking into their lives, um, encouraging them. Because as musicians, we tend yeah. to get pretty insecure, and we tend to get pretty kind of at times narcissistic, just focused on ourselves and what yeah. we sound like and look like and how we're, how we're perceived and all that kind of stuff. And so, and does it sound good as the team good or the songs good as the, is the mix good as the, you know, all that stuff. And so get, easily getting distracted with the nuts and bolts of ministry, even though I feel passionate about doing those things well, I want to mm-hmm. do them to the best of my ability and push us to keep, continue to grow. Um, if it's to the, to the neglect of pouring into people and caring for people and, you know, loving people, then I'm really not fulfilling ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, the the call. I feel like the position gives me the privilege of um, discipleship yeah. or an opportunity to pour into people that I wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. And, and in so, a unique way, those others who are serving alongside and with you in yes. whatever context of worship leading that you're in or the yes. projects that you might be working on. And yeah. I think that's so great. Yeah. I mean, I think of just as you're talking, the, um, the iterations of the of the Great Commission are kind of rolling through my mind. That there's five of them, as I would mm. see it in the New Testament, and and Mark's in sixteen Mark sixteen fifteen he says the the commission is expressed as the need to proclaim the gospel mm. to every creature. Yes, and and in Matthew he emphasizes make disciples and uh, kind of explains that in his thinking that means teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. Yes. And baptizing them, and so with the Mark says just straight up proclaim the gospel. If you're baptizing people, there's the implication of conversion and understanding the gospel. Yeah. But then in the disciple making, there's this aspect of teaching truth and all of that. And and certainly yeah. as we've discussed that if this is the goal, if this is the mission that God has grafted the church into, His mission in the world then uh, certainly that affects our songs. That gets back to that theology thing. We're supposed to be teaching people to follow Jesus. As you said, uh, that's important to remember as in your world because it can be, you're, you're up front a lot. Yeah. A lot of image-driven stuff is going on. Yes. Music is impressive. <laughs> you know, There's a lot right. of opportunities to to get the central focus yes. out of whack, even in our trappings. hearts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. yeah. And so it, it shapes those things. But I think what's great that I'm hearing you say, and it, I, th- I do think it's an important thing, a discussion to keep going and emphasizing and drawing people back to, is that for you as the worship leader, you need to understand the commission of the church, that mm. it, how, whatever ways we're expressing this mission or so on, our call is basically the same as believers. We're proclaiming the gospel. We're helping others to learn how to follow Jesus with all of their life. That's right. And, uh, and to take seriously that reality, not just in how you choose songs, not yeah. just in how you shape corporate worship gatherings, but in how you relate to those around you. And, yes. and so if that's all in line with what you're saying, totally. uh, and I'm understanding you right, I, something that's just coming to my mind might be a helpful thing to dig into because, um, you know, I'm thinking about female worship leaders yeah. right now. And I think a guy like you, you're a, a respected pastor in our church and in our network of churches, uh, but you're a male pastor. 
yeah. worship leader. So yeah. I think it's it's an easy thing to to listen to you and say, yeah, man, that's you're right. Or as any male worship leader, maybe in our world, they could say, yeah, totally. I should be kind of pastoral in this sense. Yeah. But how would you encourage some of our female worship leaders out there who um, maybe have a, kind of a complementarian understanding of men's and women's roles? They don't think of themselves as pastors, but they are leading worship in their church. Right. Um, what would some thoughts you might have for them about how they, um, as women called by God, can um, influence those serving with them in the ways you're talking about toward gospel fidelity and gospel living and yeah. and following the Lord. Yeah. I think it's the same way that, that I would function in that regard because mm-hmm. I feel like there is um, there's just a huge need for servant-hearted, spirit-filled, mm-hmm. you know, worship leaders or leaders that are going to just lead the church in glorifying Christ through, mm-hmm. you know, our praises. And um, I've always felt that uh, just because... Um, a guy is up there leading worship doesn't necessarily, we don't require a guy up there to be a pastor right? Yeah. Um, that's leading worship. We don't put that mantle on them unless that's a calling that yeah. he also has along yeah, and with we it. have great guys that help lead worship at our church yes. that are not pastors in our They're church. They're not pastors, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for the same reasons, I wouldn't put pressure on them to just, you need to be a pastor because you're a guy and you're on stage. I wouldn't mm-hmm. do the same. I wouldn't do the same with a woman. I wouldn't put that pressure on her like she needs to be mm-hmm. a pastor in, in, to be a leader. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I've just found over the years that uh, there are so many spirit-filled, gifted mm-hmm. ladies that have this um, gift of to lead worship and, and musical gift that's really special. And they lead with great authority and great grace and um, and the need for, for, for ladies to step into those areas are, are just big. And sometimes they might think, well, you know, uh, well, I'm a woman. Can I do that, you know, in, in our tribe? And, and I would say 100% um, for sure. We have some guys, <clears throat> we have some guys in our you know, in our tribe that wouldn't feel comfortable with that. And they, there's a, you know, a few that might not totally see it the same way mm-hmm, and, and that's mm-hmm. okay. They, they're going to have their convictions and their, their preferences in that way. But, but, um, I don't think there's any biblical, uh, position or, or hard dogmatic position you can make for saying that a woman can't lead worship mm-hmm. in that regard. I think it's very much, um, an open, uh, opportunity for, for, mm-hmm. for ladies to step into that. And so, I think because of that role, I mean, you do have great influence um, to lead by example in that way and to lead with, you know, I call it, you know, bold humility or, or mm-hmm. you know, um, with, you know, just a, a humility that has courage, a courageous, yeah. you know, humility. So so we, we also want to go up and, and serve the Lord with all of our heart. And so we would stand up and, and want to have courage and faith and yet walk in that and humility. Yeah. So, and submitted to, I'm submitted to my pastor. I'm submitted to the leadership over me, and just as as she would yeah. in that regard. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, it sounds like part of what we're saying is that, if you know, if you're a female worship leader and you're thinking, yeah, not not only do I want to help lead the church in worship, but I want to, I'm processing how I can be the best um, instrument of uh, encouraging Christ likeness and and amongst those I'm leading worship with in the ministry. So part of it, I think it sounds like we're saying is um, you need to have an understanding and a cooperation with what Mm -hmm. your local church pastors and elders um, have decided are the formal positions of your church and how you relate, how you um, act in that role. Um, But then outside of that, I think we're also saying that whether you're a pastor or not, if you're involved in worship ministry, 
being a pastor is not the issue. Right. You can, even if you're not a pastor, you can be a Christian. You can right. be a spirit-filled Christian and uh, and follow all of the the variety of the various and numerous biblical commands of teaching and admonishing one another and and uh, speaking words of edification, exhortation, and comfort to one another yes. by the Spirit. You know, and all these things, and and you can still be a legitimate source of godly influence. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and using all those spiritual gifts that God's just entrusted to you, you know, mm-hmm. being a good steward of that means just just serving the church with those gifts, mm-hmm. you know. And, and as it says in Peter, um, ministering your gift as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna, so I, I really feel like there's a, a real need for that and a and a, a great opportunity for for ladies to step into, a, you know, a leadership role that is very influential in the church and can be a real blessing. And we have a number of ladies like our fr- my friend Shannon Quintana, um, Sherry Youngward, uh, Gia Lucid, that just serves so well in those areas that are in our local kind of tribe and, you know, and, and, and a, a, num- a number of others. Um, so, yeah, I get really excited to see the diversity and the need for diversity. So even in our services, I'll, I'll lead like two of the four Sundays a month and we'll mm-hmm. rotate in some other leaders. And so sometimes it's Shannon or my friend Andrew or James and mm-hmm. they'll, they'll kind of, uh, take, you know, a Sunday and lead in that way. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've just seen a lot of fruit from it and it's very, been very, uh, biblical and, mm-hmm. um, spirit filled. It's been awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Worship leaders, pastors, volunteers, and worshipers with a heart to lead, you're invited to the Calvary Chapel Worship Leaders Conference November 11th through the 14th at the Murrieta Hot Springs Conference Center in Southern California. Come and be refreshed and encouraged in your ministry and calling as we draw near to the Lord with great Bible teaching, intimate worship, and great fellowship with other worship leaders and team members. In addition, there will be practical workshops to help equip you in your ministry, along with the encouraging fellowship of other worship leaders who serve in the same capacity. It is our prayer and desire to maintain the simplicity and spirit-led ministry that has distinctly marked the way God moves in and through Calvary Chapel. Our heart is to provide sound teaching from the Word of God and effectively bring the idea of worship back to its basic principles, which will readily apply to small and large churches. Special guests this year include Pat Barrett, one of the primary vocalists for Atlanta-based worship collective House Fires, and writer of popular worship songs Good Good Father, Build My Life, and The Way, and Andy Rozier, leader of vertical worship and co-writer of such worship songs as My Defense, Open Up the Heavens, and One Thousand Tongues. Full registration includes eight meals, all sessions and workshops, and three nights lodging in a beautiful resort setting. Prayerfully consider bringing your worship team, media ministry, sound ministry, and all who would benefit from this week of seeking the Lord together. For more information and to register now, visit ccwlc.org. That's ccwlc.org. Hope to see you there. One more question. Sure. A lot of people would say that when it comes to choosing worship songs, that it's not just enough to concern yourself with the um, theological soundness of the lyrical content, but you also have to concern yourself with the source of the song. Right. And so some some would say, as you're selecting songs for the, the gathered worship setting, you need to avoid songs that were written out of theologically questionable 
sources. And however yeah. one might define that, people would define that differently. I think an easy sure. example of this that is debated, and at least in Western America, you know, amongst some people that we might know is groups like Bethel, you know. Mm-hmm. So Bethel is obviously just pumping out worship songs, or even Hillsong, you know, right. Hillsong that the church globally is is singing songs coming out of these groups, but some would maybe feel uncomfortable with their uh, their expression of what it means for them to be charismatic Christians yeah. or or whatever. And so, so this is a question that comes: is it, is it enough to just say, well, the song lyrics are good, or do we also need to avoid using songs? because of where they come from. Yeah, that's a common question, and we've kind of wrestled with that over the years. Uh, I have personally, and, and I know a number of friends that have, but I feel like the the simple answer is, does the song stand alone um, mm. on its own uh, biblically? Is it is it theologically correct? Is it true? Is it right? Because at the end of the day, a lot of the writers, um, some of the writers for those churches that you may be not fully on board theologically with, like, um, in secondary issues, you know, yeah. um, don't even go to the church. They're just they're just great writers, and the mm-hmm. church is using mm-hmm. those songs. So, so if someone has a really strong, you know, really big problem with a certain ministry, they feel like they it just attaches um, almost an endorsement to that ministry by singing the song. Then that's going to be a personal thing between them and the Lord. But mm-hmm. I just feel like over the years, you know what? Um, most of those other churches, you know, they're they are uh they love jesus and mm-hmm. pretty much you know they they're they're solid in the sense of they're going to be in heaven they're a brother and sister in christ and even though there's some secondary things we would disagree with them um if the if the song stands on its own and it's theologically correct um i think we should use mm-hmm. it and we should if it makes sense for their church and their gathering um i think it you know again like i was saying that the writers sometimes are aren't even really connected to, the, yeah. to that so if you were to do that, if you go down that rabbit trail, then and you find out, you know, just everything about everybody and everyone's ministry, you probably won't be singing yeah. anyone's songs but your own because you think sure. you're, you know, you know, yeah. If you knew the truth about the, <laughs> the people who were writing the songs you do like to sing, right, maybe you right. wouldn't sing those either. Yeah. yeah so it's yeah. one of those things where I just take it at face value. Is mm-hmm. this song like? Is it true? Does it glorify Christ? Is it theologically correct? Is it That's is cool. it yeah. useful in our congregational gatherings? Because mm-hmm. um, I feel. Sometimes the other one, it just it just promotes a critical spirit. With most of the time, we have no idea. Mm-hmm. Really, we've heard parroted um, comments about that church, but we've never been there. We don't know right. the people. We don't yeah. know the pastors. We don't know point. the situation. And so a lot of times we're forming opinions on secondhand, thirdhand, fourthhand information yeah. that um, isn't true most of the time. Mm-hmm. So I would just say um, we, just, we, we need to be careful of that because in our discernment, kind mm-hmm. of thing we, you know we, we sometimes we use the word discernment for just being having a critical spirit yeah and there's a fine line there somewhere spiritual gift of criticism yeah yeah, yeah and i think we need to be careful there <laughs> yeah. um obviously we want to be very discerning you want to use you know yeah. be, be wise but yeah but it's it's a good point that you make i think on this subject things that something i thought about is the irony <laughs> i mean a lot of us in calvary do this yeah. this thing that you're talking about and we were the crazy, charismatic, oh, man. Uh, criticized, yeah. chorus singing, drum playing, bass yes. thumping group back in the Jesus movement yes. time, and and now, unfortunately, not not across the board. I don't even think most, but there are, are segments of even our group, our, our movement that are kind of doing the same thing about other movements, right? 
that people were doing about us, you know. But I think that you're you have a good balanced perspective. You know, does the song stand alone theologically? Remembering that fake news is a thing, yeah. and being you know, like James said, be swift to listen and slow to speak, and yes. make sure that you actually know what you're talking about. Yeah even before you make any of these decisions, you know, totally. I think you're also implying that they're just, we need to allow for a spectrum. Mm-hmm. We need to let worship leaders and churches pray, think, talk with their pastors or amongst their team mm-hmm. and, and be led by the spirit together in how they make these decisions and not yeah. try to require in this cultish weird way, yeah. everybody to um, flush out their convictions in this area the same way that we would. Yeah, yeah. And I just, you know, the older I get, the more, you know, you zoom out and you see all the different expressions of worship in the various streams and tribes of, of mm-hmm. Christendom, you know, so it's, and, and the guys that I, I know, getting you know gotten to know and love and respect that are that minister in all those different tribes that there's this spiritual maturity about them where they can really they can point out the beauty in it mm-hmm. like like a beautiful um you know uh, you know painting or a, a stained glass window you know that makes up the all the different colors and different yeah. parts that make up the beauty of what it is it's like the it's like the church you know mm-hmm. we're we're in all these different streams we have all these different expressions i've got friends that are a part of uh you know more of a, a reformed stream and and they're very more traditional but but you know you go to their service and they're very intentional about like the catechism that is read that right. matches the song that they sing and they give a moment for response to personally mm-hmm. respond in either praise or confession and it, it's moving because of how, you know, it's how, different. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. different. It's, it's intentional uh, in their services. But then he, my friend admitted, you know, he's like, but, you know, you know, we don't have a lot of room for expression. I mean, there's mm-hmm. really no place to like raise your hands and praise the Lord. And so other streams do that well. And so he was it was just cool to hear his maturity in the way that he could go. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is what's what, instead of saying everyone should be yes. using the common book of prayer. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, yeah. Yeah. And I can go, okay, that's not us. And we're not going to do church that way. And, and some of the theological things we, we're not going to agree with, but, but they're brothers in Christ and yeah. they love Jesus. And it's the same with some of the more charismatic mm-hmm. side of things that the irony of it, like you were just saying, is so interesting because we were that church. We very much were, you know, um, mm-hmm. looked at as, uh, I don't know, like, I don't maybe liberal back in the day or the, even off like the deep end. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And so, um, so, so I, th- I feel like for me, spiritual maturity is more, um, you know, just identifying the beauty in the diversity of the body of Christ, obviously having strong convictions of what I feel God's called mm-hmm. me to be and us to be. Um, but, but instead of throwing stones at ministries, mm-hmm. just highlighting, Hey, the Lord's using them this way. And it's awesome. And yeah. praise God. We for don't that. need to and demonize everything. Like Paul yeah. would say, yeah, he said, I, I, some preach Christ from this, from that. And he goes, but I just rejoice that Christ is preached. And I think for me that, that seems to be a spiritual mature mm-hmm. uh, perspective that a lot of the guys I respect have that perspective and I love it. Great, man. Great thoughts. So as we close out now, I just want, want to take a minute and ask you if you could share how people could connect with you and your, your primary ministries. Yeah. 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 So we, uh, you could go to calvarycreative.com. Um, we have, uh, we call it Calvary Creative. We just have uh, the School of Worship, Worship Ministry, and the mm-hmm. studio uh, publishing side of, of the church under mm-hmm. Calvary Creative, which is under calvarychapel.com. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, Scott Cunningham Music is a place where yeah. my music is at and, and some connection there if you wanted to get a hold of me personally. But, but those are the two main main things, I think. 
Awesome, man. Well, thanks for being on the podcast, bro. Thanks for having me. Good chat, yeah. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to the CGN Mission and Methods podcast. Please subscribe and review the podcast on iTunes. For more information about the ministry and resources of Calvary Global Network, you can visit cgn.calvarychapel.com. Calvary Chapel.com.